Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 148. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today you are in for a special treat with a guest who is going to help us boss up our wardrobes in a way that continues the conversation I had just the other month with my stylist, Hannah Moon. But on today's episode, Tiffany Ingram of Policy and Fashion, who is also a certified Bossed Up Bootcamp trainer, is going to share some really interesting tips with us if you're the kind of person who either has too many clothes in your closet and always feels like they have nothing to wear, Or if you have a more curvy body and aren't quite sure how to dress for success and look your absolute best, or someone who struggles with either being a young woman, a young woman of color like our guest today, and and struggles to be taken seriously in a world that sometimes, frankly, discriminates against you based on age, race, gender, or all of the above simultaneously, you're going to love today's conversation. It's full of tips and advice from one of my good pals in the Bossed Up trainer team, Tiffany Ingram. Now, those of you who joined me at Bossed Up Bootcamp in Chicago, you already heard from Tiffany. She joined me in Chicago from her hometown of DC because I just love her advice so much. She was the first person who pitched me on making fashion a part of the Bossed Up Bootcamp conversation. And frankly, I was a little hesitant to do so. But time and again, she has shown that it is such an important part of the conversation when we're tackling work, love, and wellness and upping your game in your career and your life in this holistic way. She really brings a great conversation piece to the happy hour portion of our Saturday evening power hour at Bossed Up Bootcamp. If you're ready to navigate career transition and level up in life and you want to hear from Tiffany IRL, you should also be sure to join me in Washington, D.C. for our next Bossed Up Bootcamp coming up September 28 and 29. We're already half sold out. You can get a downloadable template to pitch your boss on paying for Bossed Up Bootcamp for you at bossedup.org bootcamp, where you'll also find more information about the easy three-month installment payment options we have, as well as scholarships. This is the last Bossed Up Bootcamp I'm hosting on the East Coast this year, so make sure to invite your boss besties to join you, and don't delay. Register now before we fill up. Now, without further ado, let me tell you a little bit about Tiffany Ingram. She's a savvy young professional who provides career and fashion advice to inspire millennial women to look fabulous in the workplace and on the weekend. She created Policy and Fashion, her blog and her business, out of a need to help young women decode the unwritten rules of the workplace and learn how to cultivate meaningful relationships to excel in their careers. She works to motivate women of all shapes and sizes to feel confident and stand in their power 
with style and grace. Tiffany, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I am so excited, Emily. Thanks for having me. It's a blast to have seen so much of you this summer at boot camp in Chicago. And then when you're here in Denver, and I just love our conversations about clothes and our evolution around <laughs> style. I can attest and say that you were a big part of my style evolution. And so I'm so excited for our listeners to hear from you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into this? styling and and fashion line of work in addition to the day job that you hold down. So tell us a little bit about what dressing like a boss really means to you and, and how this became such a passion of yours. So I would say like, I've always been a fashionable little person. Like I feel like I wanted <laughs> a purse at like when I was maybe two or three years old. I've always cared a lot about how I looked and wanting to put my little outfit together, even with my Barbies, um, their clothes. So I've always really, really loved shopping and always really loved clothes. I think it wasn't until after college that I realized going into the workplace, how people view you and you can be amazing on paper, resume, credentialed. But when you present yourself, it is literally the one snapshot people get to see like, okay, do I think that they're a leader? Do I think they can be this person who they say they are on paper at work? So it has a lot to do with how you present yourself every day. And I really feel like style is this outward expression of who you are. So every day you really get to tell the world who you are just by the clothes you have on because they're definitely sending messages to people about whether or not you're confident and capable in what you do every day, whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a typical nine to five. Right. And you, I mean, in addition to dressing very well and very polished and very professionally, you have such credentials and you have done so much with your career thus far. Can you give our ladies a sort of background or background peek into your career journey thus far and why you started Policy and Fashion, your your fashion blog? Yeah, definitely. So I will say I really, again, really presenting yourself every day was a big thing. So even as a little kid, my grandfather was like, every day you walk out, you're not only representing yourself, but you're representing your family. So it really was ingrained in me early on. But then I would say going through college, I went to Michigan State undergrad. And then after that, I moved out to D.C. And it's so many politics and just getting a job, right? Just <laughs> right, who you right. know, how you, you know, but it is really about how you present yourself. And I had conversations with so many women about like, why can't I just get to the next level? Like, I really feel like I, I come to work, I do my best, but really thinking about how you present yourself in a city like D.C. and so many other cities in, uh, you know, around the world where you have to have these client facing meetings or you're going to these trainings or events with like really powerful people. But it really matters how you look and how you're presenting yourself. So your professional image is a really, truly a, a a really big deal. And I realized that even as a young woman, it really mattered because a lot of times people are often judging me because I'm young. So I have to make sure I'm presenting myself and I don't look like the intern. I don't look like, 
you know, <laughs> straight out of high school, I have to present myself as a professional woman. So I really, really saw the importance of it very soon after undergrad that I'm like, oh, I really have to look the part, not for the job I have right now, my entry level position, but really thinking forward, thinking about how do I make sure I'm presenting myself so that um, senior level person will say, oh, you can go to this luncheon with me or, or you can go to this client meeting and really be able to present yourself well confidently. And it sounds like that's worked really well for you. I mean, you've been in a managerial position. You've landed yourself a pretty healthy raise, if I recall. Like, tell us a little bit about how you've been able to command such authority in the first decade, really, of your career and, and what part fashion played in that. Yeah, I would definitely say even by the time I turned 25, I had a position where I was managing probably like over 50 people. Most of those people were older than uh, most people's grandparents. And I've been able to you know, climb through D.C. government in terms of positions that I really thought I look around and often I am the youngest person at the table. And that's a good thing for me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm the baby sure. of the group. But really being able to see that my age is not going to hold me back, really presenting myself well as a professional, really, I believe, was yeah. able to catapult my career and continue to climb. I will say even with the current transitions I'm having with my career, it really has been people who believe truly in who I am and the potential that I have, but my professional image, what I've already done in the workplace and how I continue to present myself well for the organization that has led me to constantly, even with any transitions of layoffs or restructuring or reorganizing, I've been able to still have positions and I'm growing my career, whether that is just in title or also in pay. Right. And so it's interesting, you know, thinking about style as a part of your broader personal brand. We work really hard so that when we're not in the room, we believe people say good things about us, right? And it's not just what we do on paper. It's not just how we portray ourselves online. I think our, you know, the outer image that we develop has a big part of that. Now, that's been hard for me. I have long been resistant to acknowledging that importance, to be honest, because <laughs> I wish it, I wish it weren't so, you know, I wish we could all judge each other by what's in the inside. But the reality is, you know, that what's on the outside also tells a story. And some of our listeners really responded very strongly when I had my stylist, Hannah Moon, on. And Hannah's based here in Denver, so she was the perfect person to get me wardrobe ready for the Bossed Up book tour. And my problem was I didn't have any clothes. <laughs> I had Marie Kondoed my way to an empty closet full of athleisure. And one of the most interesting things I heard, both from podcast listeners and the women who you've spoken to when you've been our featured Power Hour trainer at Bossed Up Bootcamp, is that many people have the opposite problem. So what would you say is some advice for the woman listening to this who thinks, I have so many clothes in my closet and I have nothing to wear? Yeah, I mean, I think that is a challenge for so many people because we hold on to things forever. But it's really time, you have to set aside time to review what you have. So just like yeah. you would not want a messy apartment or just like at work, you wouldn't want a messy desk. You wouldn't be able to sit down and complete your work. 
when your desk is cluttered with all these things actually is the thing with our closet. It's time that we really take Mm. to set aside to review what we have in our closet. There are so many things that old t-shirts from college and from all these different community service events that I go to that now I'm collecting almost. And you look like a professional t-shirt collect um, of things that you do not need. Um, So for women who are really struggling with what do I have in my closet, take some time out to every weekend. And I love Marie Kondo, but the (laughs) issue with that is for women who have a lot of a lot, a lot of stuff, it's extremely overwhelming. Yeah. So I would say even if you carve out two to three hours out of a weekend, work on what's in your dresser drawers, go through that. Each drawer at is high. Right. Look at what you have. Um, a lot of times we have undergarments that don't fit, but we have things that literally have holes in them that we should just literally almost turn into um cut up t-shirts and make rags out of them. (laughs) Yeah. I was just thinking that. (laughs) And then, cause that's the way we're being green to recycle. (laughs) It is so hard to part with something that once served you so well. And I think for a lot of women, it's heavily related to money, right? It's so tied into, oh shoot, like I invested money in this 10 years ago. Can I really justify turning it into a rag? So how do you, I know you're a very savvy shopper. I know you always tell our ladies at bootcamp to shop your closet and to shop sales. And I want to get into some of that because how can we navigate an overflowing closet without the guilt of I'm wasting money by getting rid of some of this stuff, or I'm not being financially prudent with how I'm shopping for clothes. Like, what is your take on all that? Yeah. And I would say for the pieces that you really truly invested in, like if you've spent a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars plus on an item, does it still fit? What's the thing that's holding you back from wearing it? Does it not fit anymore? Do you need to maybe repair a zipper or a button? I think sometimes we, you know, button pops off and we're just like, oh, it goes down this tunnel of doom and you never go back and revisit that item. So is it something that needs to be repaired that you can wear? Um, Is it something that you feel like it still has a lot of value? Is it something you can sell to a consignment shop? Um, in your local area. So I love Buffalo Trade, Buffalo Exchange and Crossroad Training, Plato's Closet, things like that. Would they want this item? And really trying to figure out, is it something that maybe you could make money off of? And then also really think about, there are women out here who may be living in shelters, who may really be falling on hard times, who need clothes to wear. And if there is something that really, truly isn't serving you anymore, it does not fit and you do not see it fitting anytime soon. It really is best to start clearing things out. And when you're giving things to others, you really are. It's the law of attraction. You're giving so you're open to receive. So you really shouldn't live this cluttered life when there are people who are in need of clothes. I think you're also touching on something that is so, I don't know if triggering is the right word, but it is so anxiety and sometimes shame inducing for women in particular, which is our bodies change, right? Our bodies 
flux. <laughs> You're a curvy woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know how to dress your body and have such great advice for dressing everybody. What would you say to someone who's holding on to those skinny jeans? And it's this aspirational closet full of stuff that doesn't fit us anymore that makes us just feel terrible <laughs> about ourselves, quite frankly. And I would say if these pair of jeans just mean so, so much to you, then save one pair. Save one pair. But there is no need to save seven pairs of things that don't fit well. And <laughs> sure. because you're going to be constantly yeah. trying, you actually, I feel like, do more harm than good because what happens if you pull those pair out and you realize you put them on and they don't fit every day? What is that doing to your self-esteem on the weekend when you're getting ready to go somewhere you want to put on those favorite jeans and you grab the aspirational pair that doesn't fit? What does that do to you? Right. So I like to have things in my closet that fit that I know will fit me if, you know, I'm a bit bloated will still expand to those extra two to three to five pounds that I may have at that time. And they'll work for me. They have just the amount of stretch from them to be kind of my weight fluctuation jeans. But things that like absolutely don't fit, they are not coming past your knees. It really doesn't service you to keep having them because I honestly feel like it makes you sad and even lowering your self-esteem yeah. of when you go in your closet, you see all these tiny clothes that you just can't fit. <laughs> right. I thought it was so powerful when you got up in Chicago. And thank you again for joining our bosses there. I know they really enjoyed hearing from you. When you got up in Chicago and gave your talk at Boston Bootcamp, you were like, listen, I have made peace and love my body at every size and shape. And I'm not working to change my clothes or change my body rather for my clothes, I am shopping for clothes that serve my body. For those listening who are thinking, you know, I'm I'm not sure how to dress for my curves. What are some pieces of advice that you would share with them about pieces in your closet that really serve um, a more curvy figure? I will say, honestly, it has so much to do with fit. Often, I feel like when we shop, Folks just, especially people who do not like to shop, like I'm a shopper, so I could spend the whole day at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> but for people who despise it and they see it almost as like a chore, like cleaning, <laughs> cleaning up at home or vacuuming yeah. or cleaning up the kitchen, we rush and we just want to go in and grab whatever. And right. And some people just hate the fitting room experience. Yes. The lighting in there is just terrible, right? <laughs> and, but you have to figure out are these items going to fit? The only way you can do that is through trying on clothes. So how do you know if these pants are going to fit if you haven't tried them on, particularly for women who have, I have hips, I have thighs, I am a curvy girl. I can't eyeball if a pair of jeans are going to fit me or a pair of dress pants. So I really take time out to make sure I'm trying on clothes. If you don't want to try on clothes, you shouldn't be shopping that day because you will get disappointed when you come home to do your try on and nothing fits. And then your time management in terms of being efficient is all upside down because you've actually spent more time running back and forth to the mall, exchanging or running back and forth to UPS to return than actually finding items that you like. I will say if you have a particular brand that you enjoy, it's fine to get a pair of dress pants in four different colors. There is no law against that. 
fit first for everything. That is what matters. Mm. That's what's paramount. I think sometimes people look at, oh, this is on sale. Like it's 60% off. But if it doesn't fit, it doesn't matter. Because then you have ill-fitting clothes in your closet that you're not going to wear. That's just going to collect. And then you're going to go back to the store another day and look for another pair of black dress pants because the ones you bought before didn't work. So you still haven't <laughs> felt, filled that void in your closet. So now you're buying more than you actually need to um, when yeah. you could just get a good fitting pair first. And then if you get something and it doesn't fit well, maybe they're too long. Like I'm 5'3", so I don't have the long, amazing legs that you have, Emily. So I'm sure. <laughs> so sometimes a lot of things drag the floor, but maybe you need to go to the sure. cleaners and get them hemmed. Or even if you get something from Nordstrom's, most of the time they, they will do small alter alterations for a very small fee or even free. Yeah. And you've talked in the past about getting to know a seamstress or tailor and how important that is for so many of us because fit is hard to find. I cannot believe how varied sizing is in the United States from brand to brand. And that's part of the reason why I stick to the brands that I know fit me, but it can be challenging. And what you're, you've always said at Boston Bootcamp to our ladies is it is so much worth the investment of buying clothes, getting them tailored to fit your body right, that you know are going to last as opposed to constantly searching and finding pseudo fitting clothes that just don't quite make the cut. Yeah. So I would definitely say finding those staples, those dress pants, a good fitting blazer, a nice fitting dress or skirt, starting with those staples and making sure they fit right. So if you want to mix in a cute dress shirt from like Target or H&M that fits well, you can do it. I'm not all about, you know, you have to have custom items every day of your life, but find some pants that fit well. And then, right. yeah, if you find that $15 top that fits well, great, go for it. But I really think that sometimes you overspend buying all these different pairs of pants when you really could have invested in a pair of a hundred dollar dress pants because you just bought five pairs of right. $20 ones. So then it's like, well, yeah, we're wasting time and you still haven't found exactly the right fit for you. And you've always talked about price per wear. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how to justify or what you justify investing in, in terms of our wardrobe and where you like to go cheaper? So for me, price per wear, if I try on something that is a splurge item, and I would say for me, splurge item has to be, it will probably be more than $120 or $100, I would say would be a splurge. I'm automatically thinking, I need to know three different ways I can wear this, three different places. And I also need to think, what do I have in my wardrobe? So if I, I would not be splurging on a, $400 bag that is a white leather bag, knowing that I'm likely not going to wear a white leather bag in the wintertime. One of the things that's right, 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 very right. fashionable this year are the straw bags and the clear bags and all of that. And those are cute for the summer, but you can't walk around with a straw bag, <laughs> and, you know, with the little wooden handle. Right when it's snowing outside. 
So spending $300, which is how much some of these bags are costing, is not a good investment. And so really start thinking about, I invest heavily in shoes because you have to wear shoes every day. And shoes is something that for the most part, if you gain weight, five pounds, 10 pounds, it really doesn't affect your shoes. But then also you have to make sure you have a good pair for work that are not only comfortable, but they look good and making sure your quality So spending more money on good leather shoes, good leather pumps where the tips or the soles can be repaired by a uh, a cobbler or shoe person, I will say is worth the investment than buying, again, 10 pairs of cheap shoes. Let me put out a little PSA for that, because from my experience, I came back from studying abroad in London in college, having squeezed my feet into too small for me, cheap patent leather pumps, and then like hobbling all around London's cobblestone streets, perhaps a bit inebriated at times. And I came back to the States after a semester abroad with a broken bone in the bottom of my foot that ultimately resulted in me having to get surgery to remove this like fractured tiny bone from me wearing crappy, cheap shoes. And I couldn't wear a heel for like years after that. So just let me put out the PSA that going cheap on shoes, while it seems like a frugal thing to do, it can really end up costing you more down the road if we don't take good care of our feet, which we take for granted sometimes. Yeah, you only get one one pair. So it's yeah. very hard. <laughs> and for women who, uh, like my good girlfriend's a teacher, like she's constantly looking yeah. for good shoes. So if you know you're a person who's constantly on your feet and walking around, you have to invest. Because if you don't, your feet, your knees, your back, all of those things can be affected. And your overall quality yeah. of, you know, of life at this point is going down because you're constantly aching because of the, the poor shoes you have on. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying invest in some staple pieces, including shoes. And then if you're going to shop trends, if you're going to shop accessories that are seasonal, that's an area to go cheap and not feel bad about it. Is that right? Don't feel bad about it. For women who always like to wear something new, try out the subscription services where you're renting pieces from Rent the Runway, from DA and Co, from Stitch Fix, because it will give you the rush of going shopping and you don't necessarily have to buy any of these pieces. It gives you the feeling of participating in the new trends, but you are not loading up your closet with things and it's more sustainable fashion. You're wearing this trend um, for this particular time and then you're sending it back. So last question for you shopping sales. I know that Nordstrom just had its big anniversary sale. There's always a lot of buzz online and on social media about that. What is your take when it comes to paying full price or shopping sales? Like, how do you go about doing it? Because I know you do such a great job of shopping sales strategically. So what are your best tips on that front? Yeah, you should definitely, I never try to pay full price for anything at all. Like I'm always trying to figure out a deal, even if it's just 10% off, I need to have some type of discount, but you really need to know what you want before you shop. 
So like the Nordstrom sale, all of that is extremely overwhelming. All it looks like is a whole bunch of clothes that's on sale for a limited amount of time. And then you're like rushing yourself to like hurry up and make these purchases. But before you shop big sales like that, you should have already taken inventory of what's in your closet. So for me, I like the Nordstrom sale because again, I like to find shoes. I'm not at like shopping all the time at Nordstrom's. I'm more of a Nordstrom rack girl if I'm getting clothes, but shoes out of Nordstrom's that's on sale could be a really good steal. So I think I've bought boots for almost $100 off the retail price. But for me, I know I have to shop early for my boots because I have a wide calf. I'm trying to find something that is still fashionable and not actually like older woman kind of. So I still want to look young and youthful. Right, right. So that is one of the things I shop the Nordstrom sale for to get quality shoes. But I'm taking inventory of the boots that I have now. Like, do I really need new boots? Are these some that can be clean? Can I take them to get repairs on the soles before I decide that I need a new pair? So all these sales are very, they lure you in and you have this fear of, you know, regret if you don't participate, but you really need to make sure that when you're shopping, you're shopping smart. And it's not just impulse buying of like, oh, this looks cute. I should get it. But is this a gap in your closet that you want to feel that you need to feel? Yeah. And I think that goes right back to your very first response, which is you have to take inventory to know what you need. And inventory means like being really honest with yourself about what you never wear. If it's in your closet and you never wear it, it doesn't count as being a part of your actual wardrobe. So I think that cleaning out process and just sifting through, fixing things that need fixing, taking things to the tailor, you know, donating, that is such an essential first step to then being able to do a real inventory and say, wow, my entire wardrobe is missing a black belt. That's a problem that needs to be solved. How am I going to shop a sale strategically looking for that black belt? Yeah, because what happens if you don't is I've gone places and bought the same thing twice (laughs) just because I haven't looked. Right. Oh, I like these. And then you're like, oh, but wait, I know why I like them. Duh, (laughs) I already have a pair. But you haven't seen them because they're like under your bed or in the bottom, in the back of the closet. And you forget that you even have those items. Yeah. I have multiple t-shirt dresses for that very reason. I'm like, I love a t-shirt dress. And then I have like four t-shirt dresses that I probably don't need. (laughs) That's great though. I recall you have some kind of checklist that you have sent out to ladies at Boston Bootcamp before that's kind of like an inventory on your wardrobe. Is that something you'd be willing to share with our listeners today too? Yes, most definitely. Um, I'll share with you and then folks can also find it at policyandfashion.com. I just have a work wardrobe checklist that you can kind of just go through in your closet to see, do I have this? Right. Is this something that I even want to wear? I've spoken with so many ladies at boot camp who are like, I just really don't like pants. Yeah. That's not a part of my wardrobe. So for me, I am always in you wear what is most comfortable for you. So I am not going to put someone in a dress who doesn't like dresses, really making sure. um, But if you like the dress, what style dresses do you have? What in what prints? How do you layer when it's cold and making sure that you can pair these things with and have accessories and shoes and things like that to support whatever look. 
So the checklist is just a framework that you can use to kind of guide what's in your closet and what the potential gaps may exist. And that will help you in figuring out what you need the next time you go to the mall. I love it. I will definitely drop those links in today's show notes. And you should absolutely head over to Policy and Fashion to learn more about Tiffany, see some of her incredible style on display there. And Tiffany, are you now working with clients one-on-one? What does that look like? I am looking to launch like a first cohort of women who are interested in not only talking about style, but their confidence and Um, who you are and making sure you are sending those great messages of just being the boss woman that you want to be in the workplace as well. So I am taking some clients in for that. So it will definitely be a tab on my website for folks to sign up um, to be on my email list so you can hear when that launches. I love it. Well, congratulations on this exciting next stage of your blog policy and fashion, which you've been running for how long now? Oh, since 2015. Oh my gosh, congrats. That's so incredible. Yes. I really appreciate you being such a wonderful member of the Bossed Up Trainer team as well. And for just helping boss me up fashion-wise and also (laughs) being so generous with your insights with our bosses at Bootcamp and now here on the podcast. Tiffany, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Tiffany as much as I did. Head over to bossedup.org slash episode 148 for all of the show notes we mentioned in today's conversation, where you can grab that checklist, that wardrobe checklist from Tiffany's site and learn more about how she can help you boss up your wardrobe and feel confident at any shape and any size with what you are wearing and the persona that you're portraying when it comes to your style. And like I said at the top, if you want to hang with Tiffany and me IRL and get bossing in real life, don't delay. Register today to join us at Bossed Up Bootcamp this September 28 and 29 in Washington, D.C. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Emily, my name's Megan. I'm calling from Washington, D.C. I just wanted to give you a boss move that has gone through in my life. In October-ish of last year, I reached out to a contract of mine who works at a, a branch of D.C. government that has kind of been a dream job. I originally made a connection with him when I first moved here four years ago and was just following up to see if there was any openings in the organization. He ended up forwarding me to the executive director, who then got me in touch with the manager who was hiring for the department that I eventually applied to work at. So long story short, basically used this connection to get a job interview and have now landed a new job in an area that I've been wanting to work in. I'm an attorney and I now get to move out of litigation and into more kind of behind the scenes civil rights and human rights work. And I actually negotiated my salary and I'm getting a $10,000 pay increase. I am really excited. I've given notice, got a few weeks left in my current job and then on to the next chapter. So thank you so much for all the pointers you've given about networking and how to negotiate for salary and knowing your worth because I implemented all of those tactics in this multi-month 
phase of getting this new position. So thanks. Bye. Yes, Boz, we are cheering you on and I am so proud of you. I am so thrilled you took the time to call in your boss move. Thank you for sharing your come up story in this way because you really never know who you're inspiring to go ahead and do the same. Now, if you have a boss move to share or a career conundrum that you want me to unpack next on one of these episodes with my expert guests, make sure to call it in now at 910-668-BOSS. That's 2677. Or if you're an international listener, feel free to record a voice memo and send it via email to info at bossedup.org. I hope you found today's conversation helpful. I hope to see many more of you along with me and Tiffany together in Washington, D.C. at our upcoming Boss Up Bootcamp. If you found some of the lessons in today's episode helpful, make sure to tweet us. Make sure to Instagram about it. Make sure to share this episode now with the boss women in your world who you know could use it. Until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.